only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Welcome to this special election edition of the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I am Pastor Wade Lentz. I'm joined by my co-host and longtime friend and fellow pastor, Harold Smith. Harold, it's hard to believe that we are about six weeks away from the election, and I tell you, this election is going to be, as my uncle used to say, it is going to be a doozy. <laughs> it is a big one, and, uh, and what I want to talk about, what we want to talk about on today's episode, I want us to clearly define the differences between the two platforms, the Republican platform and the Democratic platform. And then we want to try to attempt to answer this question. Can a believer, can a Christian vote for the Democratic nominee in this election? So I want us to start off with the differences of the platforms. Harold? You know, this is, this is not an election that's about personality. It's really about platforms. It's about what kind of government you're going to receive, depending on which person, candidate you vote for. And so as Christians, we're, we're looking at the Democrat platform, and you're going to have the pro-abortion platform. Now, the Republicans are anti-abortion. They would like to restrict abortion. Uh, many of them would like to completely remove abortion, and uh, that would be the ones that I would be the most supportive of. But when you look at the Democratic platform on abortion, they oppose all federal or state laws that prohibit or restrict abortion. So basically anything that reduces a woman's right to go out and, and, and murder the child that is within her womb, they're against that. They also support uh, restoring taxpayer funding of Planned Parenthood, which Planned Parenthood is, has nothing to do with parenthood. It has to do with getting people out of being a parent. It's, it's an abortion clinic. They also support the repeal of the Hyde Amendment, which uh, prohibits federal funds from being used for abortion services. They oppose the restriction of medication that would abort babies. They want to make it easier for people just to go take a pill and their body reject the baby that is growing in their womb. They also support age-appropriate sex education. Now, when we think of sex education, you know, we're both in our 40s. We think about, you know, being in like the sixth grade and uh, boys being taken into one classroom and girls into another. And they say, hey, you're growing up. Your body's changing. You kind of get a scientific explanation of puberty. But what they want are medically accurate. This is their terms, LGBTQ and inclusive age-appropriate sex education. So they're mandating that your child, or they want to mandate that your child in a public school will be taught what it means to be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer, or whatever else. It's plus. So they're going to install their view or instill their view of, um, of sexuality into all children. And then when you look at religious liberties, of course, the Republicans have their view of religious liberty. And they're very uh, hands-off approach. But when you look at the Democratic 
um, statement on this. They make this statement. The Democratic administration advocates for religious freedom throughout the world. And you say, man, that's great. Uh, I, I do too. But then you read on and it says they oppose broad religious exemptions that allow religious uh, groups to discriminate. And so what that means is they are okay with you having your religion as long as you conduct it according to them. And so when we look at sex education, we look at abortion, we look at religious liberties, they're the diametric opposite of the Republican branch. And so let's talk about two other things, climate change. Republicans are typically pretty neutral on climate change. I mean, they're not out burning tires, you know, they're not setting oil wells on fire, but at the same time, they're not rabidly trying to save the world from uh, burning up from the sun. And so when you look at the Democratic platform on climate change. They want to re-enter Paris Treaty on climate change. They want to uh, really restrict uh, cars. They want to tax for carbon footprints. No tax is going to stop anything in the climate. And then for me, this is right up there with abortion as a definite no-go for the Democratic Party, is gun control. The Democratic platform is the removal of what they call military weapons from society. Now, military weapons is just a generic term that can mean whatever they want. It can mean your grandpa's shotgun if it holds more than three shells. You know, it can mean, it can mean your son's 22 if it has more than 10 rounds in the magazine. They get to determine that, but they don't want you to have it. And so by restricting gun control, you put the public at danger because you take away their Second Amendment right to defend themselves. If you restrict that in some way, you make it hard for them to purchase a gun, hard for them to keep a gun, hard for them to carry a gun. You've made them vulnerable to crime. But when you look further on into their gun control package, they don't want the police department to have anything above a pistol. They want the police department to be restricted in what they can have. And when you look at their view on, on the police department in general, they are very anti-police in that they want to free criminals. They want to reduce punishments for all the what they call minor infractions. And then they want to restrict the police officer's right to enforce the law at the same time disarming the public. That puts all of us in danger of being victims to violent crimes. So when I'm looking at the Democratic platform, I'm like, these are things that directly threaten the health of my family, the lives of unborn children, the minds of my children if they're in, you know, in a public school. They are threatening to restrict my ability as a pastor to operate our church as, as we see fit. And they're wanting to tax me if I don't agree with their views of, of climate change. I just have a hard time getting behind that, Wade. Yes. You know, what, what's amazing to me is the difference between the two parties and their platforms. Uh, it's a huge difference. And this is not like the Democratic platform of the 1950s and the Republican platform of the 1950s, where there were some, yeah, there were differences, but there were mainly uh, policy differences on taxes and national security, things of that nature. Uh, but this one, the, the platform is so far on the left side, especially with the Democratic platform, is so far left, so far liberal, so far progressive. And as you said, uh, you know, they, they want to repeal and 
restore the funding to Planned Parenthood uh, that is just an abortion mill. And uh, they want to, their, their platform uh, really wants to defund the police. They are getting behind this. They want this. And this is just so far from the other platform, it's not even, not even funny. And uh, so it's, it is a big, big election coming up. That, that brings us to the $100,000 question, you could say. And it's a very controversial one. Can a believer, can a Christian vote for the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, in this election? Sure they can. They can also go out and have an affair on their wife or their husband. Uh, they can go out and steal from a bank. Christians are capable of doing anything that's wrong. But the real question is, can they be obedient to God and still vote for the Democratic candidate or the Democratic platform? And the answer is simply no. And it's, it's no primarily on two, two fronts. Um, it's no on abortion because you're voting for murder. This is what you're advocating. Folks, th this has nothing to do with a woman's health. These are the, the extermination of unwanted children. That is outright murder. If you're, if you're voting for someone who's advocating outright murder, and if you look at the individual candidates, many of them are okay with abortion after birth. You can give birth to a child if you see a defect in it. Maybe they're, they're crippled. Maybe their hands didn't form right. You can go ahead and say, no, I don't want that one. I'm going to try again. And they're okay with you killing that child that you just gave birth to. That's, that's murder, and it's, it's murder that's being laid out as law, and, and, and it's their platform. The second big thing is gun control. Gun control is a Christian issue because as men, we're responsible for the protection of our families. That's, that's not the police officer's job. That's my job. When I lay down in bed at night and I go to bed and my family's asleep in that home and someone starts kicking on my door and trying to break in, when you start disarming mankind, you take away his ability to protect for his family. And not only his family, to protect his fellow man. When you disarm people, you force them to watch other people become victims. Uh, did you see the story about the uh, man that was raping a woman in broad daylight in the subway uh, station in New York yeah. last week, and people just walked by? You know, in New York, you're not allowed to carry a gun. It, it's against the law. The quickest way to put an end to that rape is not to watch the woman get raped until you call the cops and they respond 15 minutes later. The quickest way to, to put an end to that is to pull out an equalizer, what we used to call the peacemaker. You know, the lawman carried the peacemaker on his hip. When you pull out an equalizer, that guy can be bigger than you. He can be meaner than you. He can be on drugs and, and be able to do things you can't do. But when you pull out a firearm, you now equal the playing field, and you now can establish law and order until the cops show up. When it's your national platform to disarm all the citizens, how can a Christian say, I want us to all become victims of crime? God establishes law and order. How can you be anti-cop when the Bible clearly says they bear not the sword in vain? Right. These are just biblically opposed views. You, you can't be biblically right and be Democrat at the same time. Would That's you agree true. or disagree? Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, I, I believe that a believer 
a Christian has the right based upon their conscience not to vote for Trump. I'm not saying that uh, at all that uh, you're not right with God if you do not vote for Trump. I get that. If, you know, hey, look, they may just not like the guy. He's not very easy to like. He's, he's got a very difficult personality. And if we were schoolmates, he probably would not be my recess friend, okay? Uh, he has a very, you know, very harsh personality. Um, and so, I, but I do get that a Christian may not feel led by their conscience to vote for him. That's understandable. What I cannot go with is that a Christian's conscience allowing them to vote for the most liberal, progressive, baby-killing candidate to ever step foot in any election, much less become the president. And that's where I have a very big issue with that if a believer uh, should go down that path and actually cast a vote, I, I would fear the Lord. I would fear that, hey, what I'm, who I'm voting for is so diabolically against the scriptures and against God. How can I rightly justify that? Right. You know, really what I feel like that any patriot, any American, Christian American needs to look at this race as not only looking at who could become the president by looking at those two nominees, but looking at the vice presidents. Um, you have one who is Kamala Harris, who has already said this week, this is the Harris-Biden campaign, uh, recognizing herself as being the de facto president. And, um, and so you have this mindset of, okay, is it uh, Kamala Harris or is it going to be Mike Pence? Which vice president do you put your confidence in in leading this nation? Because I think you'd agree with me that Biden is not going to last four years. There's no way. Um, they're going to find something. He's going to have a health issue, something of that nature. And Kamala Harris is going to become the president. And so uh, I would urge all of you listeners, if you are on the fence as to who you're voting for, consider that. Consider that. Look at Kamala Harris's record and her stance on these things. And hers really pales in comparison as to being a much more liberal candidate than what Biden has morphed into in these last few months. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, and I would say, you know, Biden could last four years. I mean, I don't think the guy's close to dying. I just think his right. mental capacity is not there. But you have to keep in mind, if he becomes president, Joe Biden's not going to be in the White House writing executive orders. Joe Biden is merely what he is now. He's a puppet for the liberal Democratic platform. He's getting his talking points off a teleprompter. He's not up just ad-libbing. When he ad-libs, it looks bad. And, and, and this has been recognized by everyone across the board. I'm not trying to run down Joe Biden. So if Joe Biden is elected, what's going to happen is all of these Democratic national platforms, the, these things that I, I gave you a list of earlier with abortion, with sex education, religious liberty, climate change, and gun control, those three things there are contrary to 
you know, what we would say is, is scripturally sound. And when you look at the, at the Republican Party, it's the mirror opposite. And so on those issues, I, I don't want to talk about taxes. You know, I, I don't want to talk about the economy. I'm not voting with my pocketbook. I'm voting with the Bible. If it costs me more in taxes, if I if I pay more, you know, in regulations, that matters not. I would pay more to live in a society that was governed with moral principles that we all could, you know, could adhere to. And, uh, you know, I want to vote for law and order. I want police officers to protect our society. I want the right to protect myself. I want freedom of religion to go in my own house of worship. If we elect Joe Biden, we're not going to get this, you know, you know, jolly old man that smiles on the camera. We're going to get this national platform. So it's not about a personality. And, and I agree with you. I'm so Baptist. I, I believe Baptists were the articulators of the liberty of conscience. Nobody should be forced to do anything against their own conscience. And so I'm not telling you that you must go out and vote for Donald Trump. I, I, I agree with you 100%. He's not the most likable guy, period. I mean, he's not, even, he's not even in the top 100. But you're looking, we're talking about the platform. You've got to consider, a lot of people didn't vote for Trump the first time around because he was a big meanie. He was a bully. And they didn't think that he would honor the Republican platform. Well, he really honored it better than most of his colleagues in Congress did. And uh, so you're seeing people realize that, yeah, tr Trump truly does, for the most part, hold Republican values. When you look at Joe Biden, he's just doing what he's told to do by the Democratic platform. And so even if he's mentally alert enough to, you know, get up and read a teleprompter, he's really just a puppet. And if he does, you know, get ruled incompetent, yeah, Miss Harris is... I mean, you can look at her record. You can tell where she stands. You can look at her history. It's all out there. So if, the problem you run into is you can't take two politicians and try to figure out which one's the nicer guy. You know, they're both politicians. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to, trying to elect a good old boy. We're trying to elect someone who will take our views and our wants and wishes for government and carry them to the national scene. And that's why we're looking at the two-party platforms. Christians can't support what I just read to you earlier and be in keeping with what God requires of them as Christians. That's right. I agree 100% with you on that. Uh, let me ask you this. How can, can we as pastors handle this election in light of the church that, that we pastor? What, what can we do concerning the, the issues that we face in this election? We need to do just exactly what you and I are doing. We need to educate people. This is not your grandpa's Democratic Party. You know, my grandparents were, were probably lifelong Democrats because sure. they grew up under the Great Depression and FDR came in and put them all to work and, and, and the, the Democrats were their helpers. But as you said earlier, this is not the Democratic Party of the 40s or, or the, even the 50s or the 60s. You know, this is not the Democratic Party of John F. Kennedy. And so what, what we're dealing with here is we've got to show people the two platforms. And then you have to make a decision on the two people. And so I understand that you, you disagree with the Democratic platform. Hey, I do too. You know, it's just contrary to what I've been taught 
uh, from Scripture. I look at the Republican platform. The real time to vote is in the primaries when you can pick the candidate that you agree with most on the platform that you agree with most. But what happens is, is what happens if that candidate, see my candidate in the primary didn't make it in 2016. So I have to make a decision. And the only way I can make a decision is with information. And so we've talked about this before. It is the pastor's job not to just give biblical instruction. That is the primary reason. But we're not limited just to the Bible. We are, we are told to say, this is what the Word of God says. Here's how it's applied. And it should be applied to our politics. I had a preacher, or when I was pastoring my first church, I had an, an older gentleman come up to me, and he said, uh, son, when you walk in that door, you leave your politics out in the parking lot. And I had made a reference about something about something our governor had said at the time. And I said, sir, when you walk in that ballot box, you do not leave your Christianity out in the parking lot. That's true. And that's what you and I, and, and I think all pastors have to convey, we need to be voting the faith that we profess. And the only way to do that is through education. Absolutely. Yeah, so informing your people is, is key. Again, not just allowing them to get their information from the news, but you inform them on the uh, different uh, political stances that these candidates are, uh, are standing for. But also... Uh, and it sounds cliche, but lead your people to pray. Pray for our country. I know of a, a pastor uh, in, a, in a town that's leading a, uh, a community-wide prayer meeting, uh, praying for our nation, praying for the election. And, and that is what a pastor should do, spiritually lead them to pray. And, um, and so seek the Lord in these days. We certainly need him. And, uh, and so, hey, thanks for, for joining uh, us today, listening to this special edition, this election edition of the Patriot Pastors podcast. We will be doing these special editions uh, for the next few weeks as we get closer and closer to this election. We pray that you have a great day. May the Lord bless you.